So first of all, I've got a very special guest with me today. Um, his name is Wayne Sears, and he is from the company Basel, which is a African technology company. And for today's episode, we're going to be finding out a lot more about him, the company, and some quite interesting information to go down. Um, so um, without further ado, Wayne, how are you doing today? Hi, Charlotte, and thank I'm doing good, and thank you for having me on your on your show. Oh, not a problem. How things were going at the moment? I wish this could be, you know, more of an in-person conversation. And oh, lockdown just seems to be not fun at the moment. <laughs> yeah, and it's so unpredictable. It's uh, yeah, we're in sunny South Africa at the moment. I was in London. In, I was I arrived into lockdown into London, so it was quite interesting in December. But uh, finally got back to Africa, so at least yeah, a bit of summer for the meantime. I'm looking forward to yeah. spring and then hopefully we can have a, a bit more fun with some sunshine. So um, Wayne, obviously, um, I suppose just for a lot of our listeners at the moment, um, I can imagine that some of our fintech listeners have heard of the company, obviously Basalt Technologies. Um, but could you just perhaps for a moment introduce yourself, uh, your role at the company and I suppose, a bit of background information. Perfect, thank you. So I'm the founder, CEO of Basalt uh, Technology. We uh, a, a technology business where we build businesses through technology. So, you know, businesses, uh, it's come, it's come to, to be that uh, technology drives business instead of business driving technology. And it's around the innovation and disruption and how do companies do things more efficient, effective, and, uh, you know, have higher impact in terms of how and what they deliver. And I think, you know, over the last, where we like 13, 14 months now already, we've seen how fast that's changed and how businesses are adapting and changing and really, really looking at their business models. So us as a business, we have engineers, um, product hackers, uh, business analysts, feature analysts, uh, you know, at, at our core, our skills and talent that makes up what we do. Um, and we go in and rapidly build and deploy um, products and solutions and businesses for clients, as well as, you know, moving into that space in the foundry on our side. Um, predominantly focusing on uh, financial services, just a natural progress, progressive path that we, we took and went on, but, you know, became quite deep in that vertical and understand where the gaps and opportunities are. Um, and our engineers have a real strong focus in one sector, then spreading quite broad across different specialities, which can be quite tiresome for a developer or engineer. Um, and, and I think the guiding principles for our business is that the current challenge is business and technology sit in different caps. So the one doesn't know what the other one does and it's, uh, or doesn't, would not want to know what the other does because it's so specialized, um, mm -hmm. but they need to work in partnership to drive business value. So if technology doesn't understand what business objectives are and what the business need is, and they can't report or show exactly what is happening or what features, you know, instead of just being in a big black box, um, it's very risky for the business or business owners to, to be in that position. So we're very transparent in what we do and how we deliver. Um, and, you know, that was, that was the guiding principles in starting the business is, you know, having a technology company is, it's a very, it's a hot potato. If you get it right, you actually, you do, you can, you can set yourself into that blue ocean strategy space. Um, so for me, you know, having tech in departments of businesses and never as a core offering was, was there, but I thought we, if we do this properly, there's really great opportunity, which we've experienced and got to. Um, so quality of the highest standard quality um, in our code, in our language um, that we deliver on time every time. So what are the core features we deliver in terms of a RAM that one wants to do and deliver, but what is those pieces that generate revenue? Um, and then value. So that's, you know, I really got on all day and night with everyone about value, value, value. And 
there's no use, you know, paying a lot of money and getting a login screen at the end of a two week sprint. So what are we delivering that solves a client or their customers um, problem that we could do? So yeah, that, that's kind of where we are being in business and going into our fourth year now, Johannesburg, uh, South Africa, as well as Cape Town. And in December, we opened offices in uh, London to UK in London so really exciting to, for the coming year. I think everything that you've just explained you know thank you for obviously talking about um, the background information there but like you've just said opening up new offices in London and expanding the franchise at the moment you know this is something which is going to be our key topic for today not just fintech in general but I think finding more about the African fintech startup and that process of things um, a lot of our listeners um, are quite keen to find out about uh, you know basalt technology but um I suppose it has to be said for the last year, how has it felt for you as a business, um, you know, the whole effect or the impact of COVID um, and everything sort of in between? How has that, fo- that felt with um, the success um, of the company in the last year? I think we're everywhere employees have had to deal with challenges and changes as an entrepreneur, it's no different to any other year. You're going to have ups, downs, you're going to be faced with situations and challenges all the time. Um, so last year was just amplified a lot more to make faster, smarter uh, decisions. Um, but again, very, very challenging in terms of leading teams, keeping culture together and driving culture, which is that was the glue of it all. So how do you still remain humane and uh, um, work closely with your staff that you, if they are the heart of what your business is and being able to deliver on business value? Um, so I think at mine was first to you know get close to our staff and understand what their challenges and needs are and then look at our clients and put out a hand and say, what do you need and how can we offer help, which really did us fast uh, going through last year. But, um, you know, for me, at everything, there's more opportunities now than ever. And it's just <laughs> the market is right. Was, you know, the, the richest man, the new richest man in the world that didn't just happen by coincidence this year. It was because of, you know, in these times, that's when new innovation and disruption comes through. So it's just having that mindset and framework of how you keep looking for the opportunity. So, you know, I would, you know, sit down, we have clarity sessions in our business where we sit with no tech, a piece of paper and a pen, and you just write and write and write. And then you get mm. when you finish writing, you're like, okay, now what do I do? And then <laughs> the, the ideas start coming, but you no, know, it's looking, okay, a person is stressed, they're at working at home, they, they can't get, and you just start putting these pain points and say, oh, actually, here's a solution. What if we do this, if we do that? And, and that's where it really starts coming through. So, yeah, I think that, yeah, I think that's, that's really kind of where we are. And then, it, you know, it's also looking at as a business owner or individuals, we only have so much energy in a day or in a month. And how do we best utilize that energy? So we can either burn energy spending on COVID and all the things that are happening and stuff. But I've said to, to my team this year, if you're not solving the problem, you're on a front line, let's not waste our energy there. Let's focus on what we're good at and what we can do because mm. we're going to miss opportunities that have. But in saying that, we've built a mortality um, business where we, or a mortality chair, like where you can see what's the chances of mortality having COVID and we built solutions in that space. We have done good stuff already in, in there. But again, you know, we need to focus. If you're looking at opportunities innovation, then just cut out the clutter and the noise that can't do anything and focus yeah. on the holes and the gaps. Eh? So, <laughs> yeah. Well, it, it sounds like, um, I suppose, one approach which you have done, um, which a lot of companies are doing at the moment, is obviously having, I suppose, more of a personal interaction with how your business is running. And obviously, you know, the, the simple thing of checking up on how your colleagues and fellow employees are doing. That seems to be something which not only businesses are doing at the back end, you know, of the colleagues at the company, but also the human interaction that they're having with the consumer as well. 
so it's sort of really kind of reassuring both ends and it sounds as though obviously basalt is um is doing that at the forefront um yeah but it's also um the things we thought we knew which we didn't know so you know there were times we said we need to get uh a psychologist into the business to get people to speak and see where they are because everyone comes from different walks of life you know some people are single home alone others with family with kids and you know everyone's got different challenges and what, what we actually realized was i set up a half an hour session with every single employee and th that actually solved most of the problems because people just wanted to just chat um and it was very vulnerable you know where are you emotionally physically spiritually whatever and i literally went through those myself you know these are my challenges i'm worried about this i'm concerned about this um schooling from home is very difficult and mm -hmm. you know people opened up and just shared their experience so that they knew they weren't alone in that and that did it had a massive impact in our business which was really a great insight no i think i think that sounds brilliant i think it's just one of those things where it's it's almost as though it's it's common sense that a lot of people need to kind of be double checking on each other, but it can be missed, you know, it's sort of something which can be taken for granted that people are working from home and it's okay, but, you know, I suppose every, everyone's different, isn't it? You just don't know. And, you know, like you just said, you have these 30, 30 minute sessions where you can actually just double check and it solves a lot of problems. Totally, yeah. Um, so um, I suppose uh, for, for a second, obviously, I am enjoying talking about obviously the personal side um, of how things are going at the moment with, um, with business. But uh, one of my main first questions is, you know, what, what does it mean? Um, I mentioned before that we're talking about the African fintech startup. You know, what does it mean to... I suppose be agile and fast moving in the African context. Um, and how has this translated into product innovation? So, so in Africa, or at least for South Africa to start, we, we have a very solid banking system, very progressive, very progressive in what they do. Um, they're almost our fintechs, funny enough. Uh, the, the products and stuff that comes through is, is phenomenal, you know, as compared to the the fintech uh, in, in the UK, at least uh, the Monzas and Revolutes of the world. So you know, the, the, our banking and our card and payment systems are really, really amazing. So the fintech startup space, you know, there's a couple of pockets of excellence, but not in the massive uh, startups that have come to date uh, in, in South, South Africa. Um, but it is starting to bubble and brew. And, 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 you know, it's also looking at the context of the local markets as well in each market. And you know, on the African continent, it's very cultural based. So um, how do you build businesses around cultural nuances, which is, um, you know, very interesting and also taking into, into consideration that the African content skips um, certain phases. So, you know, they never went from desktop tablet to mobile. They skipped like the tablet uh, phase because it went so quick. <laughs> so, you know, and then also looking, you know, the cash it's a very cash heavy continent, a lot of cash less payments and visa, but there's also solutions that can be looking at how do you collect and um, deposit and, and, and fast track cash uh, on the African continent, you know, so the Spaza shops or the, the Shabins, which is your, your, your off licenses, as you would say, you know, right. it's, a, it's an $800 million unbanked um, industry on the African continent. And so it's, it's a huge, huge opportunity. So, you know, they're sitting with cash. So how, you know, one of the solutions we had was um, using applications in order to flash cash to pay the suppliers so that you can um, shorten payment terms. And there's great insights around that and uh, uh, using it in the informal market or the main market is what we call it. So, yeah, there's there's really, and also the, the, the economies of scale. So I think it was at Africa Tech, we think it was two years ago, I met a guy in Nigeria and he said, you know, I bought this app in October, it was in January, February. 
And I said, that's amazing. How many subscribers? And he said, 11 million. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, but the scale and there's so many people and the content, it just goes so fast. So the take up is so much quicker Gosh. than, you know, established or developed worlds. It's, it does sound like something which I think at the moment, you know, um, would it have to be said, you know, the innovation side of things, especially with different technology companies that I've spoke to, whether it's fintech or just technology in general, it seems to be very fast paced at the moment, but it is kind of any bit of innovation that's happening. It's almost... I don't know, would you say that sometimes actually an idea that's happening or a process that's going on, um, one minute it's kind of in production side of things and the next minute it's taken off and it's immediately sort of, you're seeing the effects of it? Yeah, totally. So I think it's also the, <laughs> how do you put this right in, 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 in an interesting way? So less, less, less red tape or compliance and mm -hmm. uh, compliance around the uh, items that need to be done because you know, instead of worrying about what can't be done, we look at what can be done. So I think in developed worlds, there, there's so much about, you know, how do you keep this the risk-free and the data and all that. Not to say that everyone breaks rules and, you know, in a more, you know, like a more agile market where there's less kind of, there's more space to play, shall we say. Um, so, you know, yeah, while, while other institutions are potentially looking at why they can't do it, there's, we're ready to deliver in the solution around that. And, you know, that's always the challenge with um, corporations as well, because, you know, risk is more important and risk drives bigger decisions because if something does happen, it has a big uh, knock-on effect for the business. But how does one ring fence that into a startup mentality and solution and then obviously fast track that and take to market? Um, and a lot of what we look at is, you know, I would say that innovation from an African context compared to say European or British is it's less about a couple of people sitting in a room and say, imagine that, or this would be a good idea, or I've seen an opportunity. It's, it's innovation from necessity. People are thirsty, people are hungry, people need electricity, people need water. So, you know, experiencing and living it and then saying, okay, if we don't solve this, the knock-on effect is so vast. So how do we look at these solutions? And I think what one, you, you have to look at those because there's such a demand or, you know, life-threatening or saving individuals' livelihood. So it's also rewarding as well. So it's quite exciting being in that space. Absolutely. I think, I mean, it sounds it from what you just explained. This is something which um, I know if it was me personally, I would just love to like, witness the sort of success that can happen just from, you know, something which starts off as just a simple idea. And then actually it's kind of out there for the for the eye to see um and i can i can i can give you an, a great example of that 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 i experienced firsthand was my nanny needed a laptop so being in south africa she needed a laptop for her daughter who's in malawi um and she need if she didn't have that laptop she couldn't be schooled because they didn't have the you know the facilities or the structure in order to which again is an example of how technology fast tracks um certain content yeah. and regions as well so, you know, it was late at night, I opened the cupboard and then I saw laptops, iPads, phones, all the secondhand stuff that everyone has. And I was like, wow, if I have this, imagine what everyone else has. Not to realize what, uh, what organizations have as well. So I just started tapping away and trusting out like what are the insights and the need and uh, sent it to my team the next morning. And three months later, Tech Relief, our MPO was launched where we, we distribute, where we collect and redistribute um, devices, uh, laptops, uh, iPads and whatnot, put educational tools and, and um, platform on and then redeploy those to children so that they can learn off that. Um, mm. And not in a capitalistic way or generating revenue, it's just because there's, there's, there's need to do that. And it's, you know, it's something we should do. 
And then our engineers just go wild with innovation and disruption, not because it's like, oh, you have this amount of budget and oh, you can't do this and can't do that. No, you're actually trying to solve someone's problem and laugh, but uh, whatever you do, if you're building a blockchain around that. And you know, it's, again, as soon as someone says to me, well, you can't really connect the donor to the child because you know, you, there's child trafficking and whatnot. So I said, well, that's incredible because that's more than as an entrepreneur, you see opportunities in everything. Mm. So I said, well, that's great because we'll create a blockchain and use the devices to obviously prevent child trafficking. So the whole, we set up a network where one device slash child can protect the next, the next, the next and track um, for a good purpose and cause. Just going through that journey, you can see where the innovation yeah. starts again, which is, you know, and it's rewarding. I mean, what, what I will say is with, um, with what you've just talked about, you know, something which I think at the moment with creating, I don't know, the impact technology is having at the moment, which is really essential needs which are happening or anything to really improve how education, learning is going at the moment and to actually see that as an opportunity or a window to say, actually, this is how we can create something which is a lot easier for children, you know, whether we're saying at the moment globally who are needing those resources um, and you can actually just sort of, I don't know, make, make it easier, I suppose, or, you know, just really help something which seems to be like a, a national emergency on that front. Really. And, and even looking at that, we get, as we get barriers, we look at those solutions. So we say, well, now these kids have got laptops, but they don't have broadband. So they can't afford broadband. It's mm -hmm. a lot easier to go to Google and say, let's, let's incorporate balloon technology to give free access to and then we start playing in balloon and we start working in that space. So we really get into, you know, we haven't as yet, but it's a great example of, you know, a corporate saying, well, let's do balloon for a certain reason for our business. You know, it, it's a quicker conversation and opportunities are far quicker, like, you know, um, executed because mm. of, of such a reason. And, and that's amazing what we experience in France. Absolutely. Yeah, I think this is, um, well, I think at some point, you know, um, with what we've just discussed, it would be quite interesting to know actually how this does turn out, I suppose, in six months time or so, just to see actually, I, I don't want to say a graph, but actually to see that kind of correlation take place where you've seen the success and improvement of how this whole process has happened, just to kind of witness, you know, how it's been over a certain timeline. I think, I think this is really, really interesting, but um you know, I suppose time at the moment, I've got to um, got to move on to uh, to something else for a moment. Um, Wayne, um, I'm just wondering, could you talk to me um, a bit more about what makes the Basalt business model unique? Um, you know, and sort of, can you give more information, um, you know, about how it gives you competitive edge on all the markets? So I think, you know, it, it boils down to the, you know, it, it's interesting. Someone once said, like, anyone can copy what you can do. And uh, I had a long think and like understanding around that. And that is true, they can, but what they can't copy is our culture and our team dynamics, how we organize and manage ourselves. And I think that's one of the biggest things we pride ourselves on is, you know, like we don't micromanage people. You know, I've got a, I've got a, I've got strong principles in, in, in how I do things. You know, people pay a mortgage, they drive a car, and then they go to work and they should be able to get their work done. No one, adults should be babied at work. And I think, you know, if you, with a good giggle, you know, in, in corporates, people are like micromanaged and watching, mm -hmm. why didn't you do that in bit like where, so when people come into our business, you're an adult, you get your stuff done, you, no one's going to question, and all, like, if you haven't, obviously, but you, you get to deliver on your value and what you want to um, put out. And I think when you get a lot of people doing that, you really get some special magic, which is what we've seen. Um, so that's a really great example. And then the other is, you know, 
and I've been asked who's your competitors and I haven't really looked at the competitors because I'm actually trying to see what is my customers paying points and what are the jobs that we jobs to be done through our customers. So if we solving those problems, we're actually unlocking opportunity and that's, that's where the magic is going. Um, so really seeing great, uh, great um, opportunity around there and being able to deliver technology rapidly, you know, so it's very difficult to, to, to do that when you're an engineer and you're building a bridge, you know, it's calculated, you've got the instructions, you know, what it needs to look like the architectural drawings and whatnot, but doing code and technology in that sense, you, you, you understanding as you're going along, it's very complex. Um, but if you can get fit and smart at doing that, uh, word of mouth spreads as it has for us. And, you know, everyone wants to get stuff done quickly and with the highest level of quality. So that's kind of, yeah, a bit of what the magic to us is. And, you know, I've also, I've also learned that you can have a really skilled team with uh, really, you know, arrogant individuals who think they know everything working together and they will get, they won't get as much done as a down-to-earth team that is open to sharing learning and the collective of that, you know, they, they have a much better um, velocity in work deliverables because everyone's learning off everyone else. So team dynamics is, is, is also as critically as important as knowledge and skills. So, yeah. I was going to say, um, you know, that's something which I think when you, you've sort of hit the nail on the head there, that it's companies which think they can kind of uh, replicate um, or at least try and copy how a certain company has a process and a format. But unless the right personality or the right processes there um you know it's not exactly a you know copy and paste format that you can have that can prove success you've got to really put the work in to see how everyone can collaborate with one another um and you know with that being said sometimes we're looking at your fellow competitors if you're proving the success that you have then of course anyone that's going to see how your company is working is kind of they're either going to try and see what, where, what they can take from you to see how they can make themselves better. Um, or actually they can just appreciate and see where, where how much further your journey goes. Totally agree, yeah. So I'm just thinking, um, if we could take a moment for you to discuss some of the complexities of African business. Um, I know we talked about a little bit before about obviously um, the business in the African context and obviously moving to the UK um, with the business in London. Um, could you just talk a bit about the business and society that has given rise to innovation um, through necessity? So, you know, so interestingly, meeting the entrepreneurs in London, funny enough, the Zoom meeting entrepreneurs in London in December. <laughs> um, you know, one what, what of what the kind of trends between every conversation was it's, it's, a, it's, it's a really amazing thing to be an entrepreneur and run business in South Africa because of the you know, you don't have the big funding or support in times like today, you know, the banks aren't saying, well, he has a piece to cover and when you can, you'll make a plan and pay and you have to, you have to be, it's, it's make or break or fail every single day. So it's not, you don't have the luxury of, you know, big capital investment or injection to, you know, say, okay, well, now we can, you know, just relax for six months and ride this out. You actually have to be innovative and, and looking at solutions and looking at risk assessments every single day. But I think that also in turn keeps one quite fit and on edge and aware and alert than just, you know, laying back and saying, okay, well, well when this year is done, we'll look at some smart things, you know, to come. We actually will, we, we have to look, you know, you'd say we've got 15, we've got 30, we've got 40 people available, depending on what it is, and what are we actually going to do with these individuals or what, what do they want to do? Because um, if we can't do tech, what is the other thing we can do to make money to keep going? So do we build a product and do we look at, 
the current situation and you know do we diverse and put some people on clients building fintech financial services do we look at health tech and look at something that the market needs and wants right now um and then we just kind of hedge on that so th these are the things we have to be basis in order to to be disruptive and uh, and i think you know it's a blessing in a sense as well that we don't have the luxury of of what is um developed countries or uh, or worlds have because um we're then forced to 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 be on our edge, eh? which is makes us fit. It's tiring at times, I guess, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's also rewarding as well. Yeah, I think I have to be honest, it is quite um, exciting sometimes when you are seeing, I suppose, startup companies versus, you know, bigger corporations where you see the journey take place and actually proven success over time, whether it's, you know, you're one year into your journey or five years and you're actually seeing it kind of build from the bottom and work its way up I think sometimes that's more exciting and I suppose interesting to witness you know whether you are a consumer or someone or an, a fintech expert in the industry um, like yourself where you see this take place it's almost as though you are still seeing that journey or the human side of actually how the company has worked through it um, compared to sometimes bigger companies. Yeah so you know bootstrapping a business and and what that means and how it works is very different to taking big capital investments and then burning it down and it will make or break. Uh, when mm -hmm. you're bootstrapping, you, failure is not an option. You actually don't have an option. So if you start out and you keep going like that, COVID is challenging, but it's no different to failure is not an option either again. So um, yeah, it's a, <laughs> yeah in, in retrospect and looking back, yeah, it's, an, it's, a, it's a good thing to have. And it does uh, drive a lot more innovation and uh, disruption as well. Yeah, I think it's something which, like you just said, you know, COVID can just be one example. There can be so many different things that kind of affect, um, you know, an, a year of a business where it kind of can, you can have your dips, your ebbs and flows. But sometimes when it's the proven success, you can sort of look back after, you know, that year or that journey and kind of look back at the picture and think, actually, we did OK. Like we we got through it and we're moving on to, you know, new things. And I think this kind of really kind of goes with my next question for you, Wayne. Um You've talked a bit obviously about how you kind of have a sort of mindset um you know of a, a process going on with your work you know can you explain what best practice lessons and processes um from grassroots um african fintech can be applied to a global context you know anything um you know that you want to i suppose talk about in more detail um with what you've already said yeah i, I think it's it's understanding what the actual needs are and knowing where the where the gaps are in the market and the opportunity and then filling those um, because that that's actually where where you'll find you know the, opp the opportunity. So you know, and and then I think you know, looking at just lessons learned from starting up from scratch. You know how um, you know certain things you get fitter as you go along. You know, cash flow and uh, you, you know you, you know also when things aren't you know done from ego because it's easy to just pull stuff out of business and you know everyone's just safe for a rainy day, but. You know, a lot of those businesses that didn't close within a month or two with you know global you know disaster or what mm. what happens in that space so not to say that four months or six months you know people have that and this has gone on for quite some time so um you know it's a small things that were once principles of to do and if, if one kept to those and, and and was open and honest around that and built a business for business sake and not a business to extract as much as one could out the business um it's a long game as well it's not you know, you set it up to to just get get success overnight, and we all know most of the big tech startups or fintech startups. They were, you know, everyone saw the success in ten months, but there was ten years behind the scenes to get to that point. 
Um, and even if it wasn't that brand or business, the founders were still doing other stuff to learn and get better to get along that journey mm-hmm. um, and pivot and change and move, which we've seen a lot now as well in the industry and a lot of uh, shifting and updated business models and, and changing from home ordering from food to deliveries to, you know, an interesting thing was we, in the informal settlements, we, there's, um, what do you call it, your, your tuk-tuk, you know, the Thailand kind of uh, three-wheeler oh. motorbike, what, what would you call it in the oh. UK? Uh, do you know, oh, I'm trying to think now. <laughs> no, this is the worst time to have a mind blank. Um, <laughs> Oh, I I know what you mean. I can I can picture yeah. it, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So you know what one of the one of the interesting insights was there was that you know individuals do shopping, but they buy in bulk. So you buy sugar mm. in ten and twenty kilos, but then to take them, it's quite difficult. So we had one uh, we had these tuk tucks, which was uh, or an individual was explaining to me that tuk tuk was almost like an entrepreneur in wheels, and he was the shop on wheels, and he would carry around, take orders, go to the co-op, come back, um, and then you say, okay, well that's quite amazing. But now, how do you take that and do like a lay buy or a payment solution using that on the move? And you've got a mobile teller machine almost in mm. a sense as well. So there's another whole solution in itself. So yeah, it's just interesting insights around how one sees these things. And then, you know, you're talking about masses in numbers, you know, so in the millions on, on you know, a settlement or a community in that space. So yeah, once you get uptake on that, it just skyrockets. I suppose one question I want to um, want, want to ask you, you know, just with at the moment, you know, obviously we're, we're pretty much we're not that long into 2021 at the moment, you know, so it's still quite interesting to see, um, you know, where we're going to be, you know, in six months time or how things are going to be um, from the fintech side of things. But I suppose two two questions I've got for you or two um, different areas. Can I ask where do you see, I suppose, uh, the company um, in a year's time? Um, and also where you see actually the way um, African fintech um, startups are in a year's time, you know, do you see that kind of both having proven success of how it's going to be having an element of just developing and improving the process or where, where would you picture things in a year's time? So, so for us um, as a business basalt, we're, um, we very we, we become quite fit in innovating inside and outside of banking institutions. Um, even with Moonshot's teams and sponsored by a bank, using bank as the mothership to learn and mm-hmm. get insights to then build on the side um, and then core banking inside banking. So um, we, we're very good at core banking legacy, which is the whole minefield of itself. Um, integration, which is the next layer, which is how do you integrate into core banking and then customer user interfaces, which is the fintechs of the world, which is plug into the bank or the cash register, as we would say. And, and creating the best user experience to break down barriers of complexity in those spaces. So come very fit in those, in those three components. Um, and I think it would be interesting, you know, us trawling where those challenges are as a service business, but also now moving into a venture builder, product startup incubator now to, to accelerate some of those ideas and thoughts into market as well. Um, in terms of the banking, the, the fintechs, there's a lot of space to play in Africa at the moment. Um, there's, you know, we don't have PSD2 yet and open APRs yet. So there's there's really great opportunity coming when that does, because obviously it's going to fall, you know, you know, once traction starts and you can see in the UK is going to spread to other countries and regions as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so having that, that compliance item with APRs and then moving a lot into there. So it's definitely going to be a lot of plug and play solutions, moving and working and partnering with banks and financial institutions in the coming year. 
which is quite exciting and really yeah, going to be nice to see. Yeah, I think, um, you know, what you've just said, for me, I, I, I do, like, like I said before, seeing just how things kind of unfold, um, you know, as, as the future comes and you see where things kind of lie. But I, I think I'll be keeping a close eye on how Basalt um, gets on in the next few months just to see, you know, how, how it's gone for you guys. Um, and with that being said, obviously, with hopefully um, how the end of 2021 will hopefully be on a more positive note in regards to COVID and everything else going on, you know, it would be nice to see um, a lot of things kind of not turning to, to normal, but turning to a new normal, I suppose. But um, no, um, I've got some, I suppose I've got one, one final question for you today, Wayne. Again, we've, we've mentioned in this conversation that you've recently opened uh, UK offices and have signed UK clients as well. Um, how will Basalt support fintech growth um, and innovation in the UK? Um, and how will it boost its competitive offering? So, so in that space, I, you know, I would love to share a lot of the learnings we have in our rapid deployment and innovation break the rules, but not break the rules in a way, um, mm -hmm. be able to deliver and ship as many features as we can to structured and structures that then, you know, can realize how fast stuff can, can move and happen. I think also to solve small problems, get quite fit and smart at that, and then build up the, the value chain in order to get to bigger, uh, bigger items, which is really quite cool and exciting. And just to kind of share the learnings and uh, insights out of necessity on innovation um, and smart, fast ways of, of doing different things and bring a different kind of flair to stuff as well. But again, still being, you know, uh, responsible and working in architectural environments and, you know, you, you can't be a, one can't be a cowboy in these space, you know, it's finances, it's money. But again, when you've got the credibility and you've done it in core banking, you, one knows where, which boundaries to push. So really looking at exploring that and, uh, yeah, sharing that knowledge and wisdom and collaborating in uh, places where, you know, there's a lot of competition, but it's hard to see differentiation between brands and and, uh, and companies and uh, excited to see how that journey pans out. Yeah, I, it's um, it, it sounds exciting, to be honest. I think, like you just said, the collaboration side of things just makes the whole process a lot more fun. You know, you can really kind of boost any ideas or any sort of projects into uh, more key lights of, of success. So um, Wayne, honestly, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on today. Um, you know, before I suppose um, we do come towards the end of the podcast, today being the main focus, obviously talking about more about fintech on the African context side of things. But I think we've, we've covered a lot of information, you know, um, from this as well. You know, there are some of our listeners that obviously are aware of your company because um, you know a lot of our listeners are fintech experts like yourself um, but a lot of um, a lot of listeners as well obviously they're still trying to find out information about fintech so would you say perhaps maybe is there any bit of advice that you would have for fintech experts like yourself um, either with successful companies at the moment or on the other hand people that are still trying to learn um, more about this is there any advice or tips that you have I, I think yes I think so advice from our side I think just from what I know I've learned is team and people are critically important how you work and build a culture and a, a the team dynamics is, is, is of the highest value um, so that people are in your court and driving a vision and a purpose with with someone um, and we hire for purpose not necessarily skills because I believe you can one can learn and one can teach themselves anything you can build a motorbike from scratch on YouTube if you have to yeah. Um, so, um, but you can't you can't employ someone to be more positive, more creative, more enthusiastic. Those are things that those are key components that someone brings to a company. So 
really keeping an eye out for those pieces and then working on how do you put a good team together to rapidly deliver. And then, uh, yeah, you know, knowing when something's not going to work and stop and keep flogging a dead horse, as they say. So um, being honest and open with oneself to, to know when to call it and when to change or look at something different and not running on ego. Like in our business, no one is greater or less or more than anyone else. Everyone has a lot of value to add. You know, it's again, it's principles and that we have, you know, an intern is not, not intelligent. They just lack experience, but have still great solutions and, and, and answers. So how do we utilize that flair and that energy and then, you know, bring it, bring it into our business. Sure, we can go on for days probably, but yeah, that's just kind of top line of an hour. No, I think that, that's a very um, significant piece of advice for, for anyone listening, you know, if, if there's something that you're working on and it's either if you're really passionate about it and you want it to work, then I would say 99% of the time you will make it work. But sometimes if you are flogging a dead horse and it's sort of, we're not going to get, you know, we've done blood, sweat and tears on this project and it's not getting us anywhere, um, then taking a step back and actually thinking, let's go down a different route, let's try this, then it can still prove onto something successful. But um, no, Wayne, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the podcast today. Um, and actually just finding out more about the company. Um, it's been an absolute pleasure. Amazing. And thank you. It's been uh, so nice to chat.